That is a that's a twelve week miracle. That's what that was. Twelve week healing. So uh, praise Jesus. Anyway, uh, we do a few different things here as we get started every week. Um, I just need to point this out. I'm still on the stool, not because I like the stool, uh, but because I can't walk that well. Okay. So anyway, uh, we'll be we'll be full full movement hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Um, anyway, uh, we do a couple of things as we get started. The first, welcome to all you new folk. Uh, we want to point something out. We have uh, connect cards here. If you're looking to get involved here at any level, you have questions about what we're doing. Or if you have uh, a prayer requests that uh, that you want us to be praying for in the week, fill out this info card here and drop it off in the box on your way out. Okay, we have boxes located on the side here, the side here, and then over there by the info desk. Okay. Uh, the thing that we do also with some new folk, and it's really with everyone here, is is once you know we really believe in um, in remembering people's names. Okay. Uh, and so what we have you do is turn back to the people that you just met, and instead of asking for their name or introducing yourself, you're actually going to tell that person uh, their name. Okay. So a lot of you probably already forgot, and that's great because you're going to feel awful. And uh, and never do it again. Okay, so turn to that now. Hey, uh, so we uh, next thing we do is get a couple announcements in front of you. And uh, the first one is if um, if you're uh, missing a cell phone that you left in the restroom, um, anyone? I mean, which one? It's it's this one. <laughs> How am I supposed to? Oh, which restroom? Because phones are both genders. Um, I think it was in the gal's bath. There's Amanda. I didn't want to have to call your name out, but everybody, Amanda, go out, clean it up. All right. We're just giving out phones at church. Okay. Like I said, some announcements. Uh, this one we announced last week as well, but we want to keep putting this before you guys, especially a lot of you guys uh, who are uh, coming back uh, up to Flagstaff after being gone for the summer. Um, we need more and more volunteers, uh, specifically in kids. Okay, and so um, if you have a heart for children, or uh, like most of us can can stand them at a certain level for 45 minutes or longer, uh, come and sign up and get you get started on the process to become a children's ministry volunteer. That would be fantastic. There's also other needs that we have, uh, kind of during uh, during the week and, and here on Sunday mornings that we can use help with to you. So if that's you, just come talk to us, fill out an info card, and we'll get you going. Uh, I want to point out something that we do online. It's called the City. Um, of the people here, I'm just going to do this. How many people are uh, have an account on the City? Okay, it's pretty good. Not not really. Um, and then of the people who raise their hands, how many people actually use it? Cool, six of you. Perfect. Okay, so uh, so we started this. We didn't start the city, but we use this thing called the city. It's an online community. We use it for all of our announcements, all of our internal communication, uh, especially with volunteers and things happening really at the church. And so I just I want to just give it a plug because we use this thing all the time. And um, if if you're looking to be a part of what we're doing here, if you're looking to uh, serve here at Redemption, if you're looking to uh, just be involved, get involved community, um, just get on the city. I know it, it feels like it's one more thing to do, but come on, when Instagram came out, you guys jumped on that thing like it was nobody's business, okay? So, uh, this is even better, because, um, 
people. I don't know why, but it's better. Okay. Uh, and so go inside to the city. If you have questions about that again, uh, info card, come talk to us and we'll, we'll fill you in. Okay. Uh, last thing we do is we usually pray for another local church in town. We haven't done this for a couple weeks because we've been doing some commissioning moments. And we're going to do one last commissioning moment today. Uh, and so I want to invite up our, our first kind of inaugural class here at Redemption Church of, of our interns. And so why don't we have the uh, interns start making their way forward and uh, you guys can clap for them and stuff. So. Come on. Can you guys keep clapping until they get here? You know those drillers. Come on. Good. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Yeah, come on up. Let's go. Come on. Don't move that quick. Here we go. It's making it harder for everybody. Let's go. Come on. Come on. All right, stop that. Where are you going? All right, that's good. You guys need the intern speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so we, uh, Redemption Church, if you guys don't know, we're one church. We have uh, eight locations now across the state of Arizona. And, uh, and almost every single one does an internship program. We started ours for the first time this year. So this is the first five official interns at, at uh, Redemption Church Flagstaff. And so what I want to do is uh, I'm going to have them introduce themselves and tell you uh, why they chose the outfit they chose today. And then, uh, and then we're going to pray for them and commission them to serve. Serve, uh, serve our church, serve you guys, and serve the Lord ultimately this year. So we'll start here. Okay. Um, I'm Brandon, and I chose the outfit I wore today because I don't like wearing pants that often. I don't like wearing shorts. And I thought it might be a little bit chilly. All right. So, uh, <laughs> this is ad lib, so I don't know what's going to happen. I'm Buster. Uh, I dress like this all the time, I guess. <laughs> That's true. What do you do, Buster? I work for Babbitt Ranchers. Yeah, he's an actual rancher. Like, an actual rancher. It's fantastic. Cowboy. Yeah, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like in the movies. With, <laughs> I just can't. That's the way the movies at all. So, anyway, next. I am Alyssa, and I chose this outfit because <laughs> I wanted to wear pants today. <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm Dane. I chose this outfit because it was clean. So. <laughs> Good call. Good call. Uh, I'm Mitchell Kramer. Um, I'm working in kids. So, chose this. Kids. <laughs> and I usually wear sandals before it gets below zero. So. Nice. All right, cool. Well, hey, um, seriously, if you guys have anything you need for the whole year, you just come talk to these guys. They'll show up at your house, clean, laundry, whatever, and they're there. Okay, so we're going to pray for them, and, and really I'm thankful for them, thankful for uh, things that we're going to have them do this year and what they're going to jump into. Um, so let's pray for them together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for just the opportunity that we have to serve you. God, that we get to do it alongside brothers and sisters, and God, we get to do it in a way that glorifies you and we experience much joy. And today I pray for these five this year, God, that you would strengthen them and equip them, God, ultimately that they would get to May and they would look more like Jesus than they do today. God, would you change their hearts, would you renew their minds, and God, would they serve you out of a passion for the gospel and a passion for the cross. God, not out of legalism, not out of anything that this world would say, do this or do it's just out of love for you, Lord. God, so bless them, give them wisdom, give them vision, give them insight, God, that they can serve you in the best way possible. God, and, and bless us, God, and um, allow us just to make your name known in this city. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, thanks, guys. See ya. All right.
All right, Romans chapter 12, big shocker, Romans 12, turn there. If you don't have a Bible today, raise your hand up, we're going to bring Bibles to you, and uh, we'll have guys come down the way, so just keep them raised real high, okay? Romans chapter 12, and we're going to be in verse 13 today, okay? Um, We've been in Romans 12 now uh, for six weeks, all right, and we were in Romans chapters 1 through 11 for just over a year, and, and, and now we've transitioned to these first, uh, these first parts of chapter 12. What we said was, again, and I keep repeating this every week, and a lot of you might be tired of hearing it, but I want to hammer it home, that what we're doing with all of this application, right, because everything we've looked at in, this first chap- in these first parts of chapter 12 has been highly applicational. In other words, you should be able to leave today and leave last week and leave the week before with some tangible, practical, this is how I love and work out my salvation, right? Because chapters 1 through 11 are this beautiful exposition of the gospel. And we we get down to the depths of everything Paul is trying to communicate to us about what Christ has done and what that means for us. And now in, in chapters 12 through 16, we get this rich kind of working out of our faith, right? And so here's my fear is that, I mean, a lot of you students who are back that weren't with us over the summer, and maybe even weren't with us last year, some new kids here in town, um, my, my fear is, is that you're just going to take a lot of what you hear today and through chapters 12 through 16 of the book of Romans and think we're just trying to throw a lot of do at you. Like, you're just going to begin to think, man, this is just all about just do this and do this and do this without any real foundation that's going to make this last, Okay. And so my hope is, is that even as we go through this today in a topic that a lot of people don't like to talk about that much, um, that you guys would see the depths of why, right? Why is this stuff important? Why, why should we be generous? Right? Last week, why should we rejoice? Why should we be patient in tribulation? Why should we constantly pray? All this, it's because of the gospel. It's because of Jesus. It's not because we think this is what saves you. Okay, and I'm going to make that very clear up front. Okay, So here's what we do. Here we go. 12.13 says this. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Okay, We're going to couch this whole sermon underneath the, the banner of generosity. Right? And this, this is something that for us, we just get down in culture. Generosity is not something um, that we're too keen on or the world is too keen on. Usually it's, it's get yours, okay, and then the next step is keep yours. So, so get yours, get out there, grow in status, grow in financial wealth, grow in whatever, and then as you've achieved, hold on to that achievement for all that you can. Don't let anyone take it away from you. Don't give it away. Just hold on to it and keep it to yourself. Okay. And that's, that's, that's what we see. That's, that's every time you turn on the television. It's every show you've ever... It's usually constant, this idea. Maybe, maybe you see a picture of generosity when you watch a show where you see an interaction between family members, right? So usually husbands are fairly generous with their wives. Usually parents are fairly generous with their kids. So in those close-knit relationships, surely maybe you'll see this. This is what the Bible is calling us to a far greater, more robust love of all people, right? This isn't just about the person that you came here with today. So when you leave, it's not just about you being generous with the person that you drove with today, or the person you walked over with today, or your husband, or your wife, or your kids. It's about being generous because Christ has been generous to all people. To the person to your left, the person to your right, the person behind you, the person you met for the first time today, the generosity we are to live in and exude is the same both to the closest friend and the farthest enemy as we'll get into more next week. 
And that is true of every aspect of gospel-centered love that we've covered here in chapter 12. Generosity is no different. Okay. So we're going to do this. We're going to break down into two pieces. Okay, 13a, 13b. And here's the way I want us to look through this. The lens I want us to see this. Okay, the, the first case, a contribute to the needs of the saints. That you contribute to the, I want us to see that if that is you, okay, that is you being pushed towards other people. That is the Bible saying you are to go be pushed towards other people in your lives. And in the second half, seek to show hospitality is the push of other people to you. In other words, today, this morning, I mean, do you guys feel like you're the type of people that anyone could walk up to today and say, hey man, could I get a couch? And you would say yes. That, that someone could walk up to you today and say, hey, um, how would you see, could, could we do a meal? Could we, and just be invited into your life, and you would say yes, that's hospitality. And we're going to break down more of that. Okay, so a push towards other people, okay, us contributing, and then a push of other people towards us. We need both. We need both, and I think that's what Paul breaks down for. So 13a, here we go. Contribute to the needs of the saints and move towards others. This word contribute is in the Greek, the word koinonia, koinoneo, okay? Which, which is a far, far greater term than contribute. Okay? When you hear contribute, it seems like, okay, I'll throw some money at this, or I'll throw something at this. I'll just, okay, I'll give it a little bit of time, I'll give it a little bit of time, I'll contribute, I'll be a part of the answer. But this word koinoneo is far deeper than that. Koinoneo, it's, it's a, actually mandates fellowship. It mandates relationship. It literally means to enter into and share with. Okay? To enter into and share with. Right? Too much, I think, of our generosity in this world and in every way that we could be generous tends to happen at a distance. So we hear about an issue that's far off and so we, we give some money. Okay, uh, we hear about a problem over here, and so maybe we give it some of our time. You see, uh, uh, what the Bible's talking about is actually, you know, okay, you hear a need, and you are to go get in the muck, get in the mess, and live life with that person, and contribute in a way that you are helping to bear the burden that that person experiences, whatever that burden may look like. Now, when we couch generosity and look like this, man, it, it's different. It's different for us. It gets, it gets significantly more difficult. If I just told you, if the whole take-home point was, hey, go home today and, and find someone that, you know, find a poor, homeless man and give him a meal. Okay, that's, certainly, that's part of generosity. But what is being called of us, of the church, to live out love is a stepping into the life of those that are hurting and broken, that are in need, and supplying their need in such a way that we become part of their solution consistently. Okay? And so we're going to break down more of that in just a moment. But here's, here's kind of the three, the three T's of generosity that we'll look at today. Okay, three T's of generosity. Ties, talents, and time. Okay? Ties, talents, and time. We are, to, we are called to be generous in these three areas, to contribute to others, to go outward to others. And here's the, here's the truth. Okay? Um, you will misunderstand the purpose of these three things if you misunderstand the purpose of your life. Okay, not to be be just crazy traumatic on you, but you will miss the purpose of your ties, your talents, and your time if you do not understand the purpose of your life. Okay? And here's what I mean. If the purpose of your life is to get all that you can and glorify yourself, this is not going to work out very well. Because these things will seek to serve you. 
the Bible calls them to seek to serve someone else. Okay. So what we need to understand on a foundational level is that our purpose here is not to serve ourselves, but it's to serve and know God. It's not to glorify and make much of us. It's to glorify and make much of Jesus. And so if we understand our purpose and our role, hear me, if you understand that your purpose in this world is to glorify and make much of Jesus, first and foremost, listen, there's other great things that are part of that. There's joy, there's happiness, there's all. But if you understand your chief purpose is to glorify and make much of Jesus, your ties, talents, and time, and, and, and the way that we are called to be generous with them will just make sense. You won't leave here with pushback. You won't leave here thinking, okay, it's just another church talking about me giving them money. Okay? And let me just say this. Listen, we, I have absolutely no problem talking about money, and, and here's, here's why. Okay? Because the whole, this whole thing about generosity, it is very much so a discipleship issue. Okay? When you get into the Bible, there's a reason why Jesus, when he's trying to confront someone, he goes after the rich a lot. He goes after them a lot because he knows the power that money has over man and how it reflects what is actually in here. So hear me today, as we, because we're only talking about money to this over here, but when we get into it, don't hear, it's just another church wanting money. Hear, Jesus cares about my heart. And he wants me to be obedient and responsive to the fact that he's given me everything in life. Okay? It is a discipleship issue. Okay? We're not, listen, I don't care about your dollars. Okay? No, none of our staff do. What we care about is that you love Jesus and loving Jesus, this is a mandated part of discipleship. Amen? Okay? Alright. So the tithes piece. Um, and I use tithes, and this, this kind of can narrow it down to just the, the money that you give to ministry, and that's, that's not what I mean to talk about. When I talk about tithes, I just mean money and generosity and, and, and finance and that kind of idea to all people. Okay? So, so, so we are called, what we see in Scripture here is Paul saying, listen, no, you need to be generous with your money. Okay? You, you're supposed to think about others with your money. And it doesn't get, and there's nothing confusing about that. Now, and I understand that, uh, listen, a lot of you, I mean, two-thirds of our church, you guys go to NAU, I mean, you get all these part-time jobs, maybe. I know there's not a lot of wealth in the room here, but understand, everything you have financially, you are to be generous with. Have eyes for other people, and not just yourself. This is a pretty significant difference from what the world tells you you should do with your money. I had a... Um, I have a really good friend. Her name is Jen. Uh, she lives in San Diego. And then she is just one of the most faithful, loving, amazing girls I've ever met. She's on staff with Young Life Con San Diego. I mean, just, just brilliant. Love her to death. She has this community that's around her. And uh, we've been walking and living life with her for some years now. And about a year and a half ago, uh, we noticed that her car, which she had had for about 200,000 miles, was just getting ready to explode. Like any given moment, she would blow up, okay? And, um, and just making awful noises. Everyone heard her coming. It was terrible. And she drives all over San Diego County to pick up students to bring them to these various events that they would hear about Jesus. And so now we're like, man, she really needs a car. And so um, another gal that comes to church here helped organize her friends to come together to help buy her a new car. And so 11 friends came together and raised $27,000 and bought her a Prius, Okay? That, that's beautiful. Okay. 
and I, here I can tell you, I wasn't, even, I wasn't part of that 11. So I tell that story not trying to brag about me and my gender. I mean, that was 11 of her closest friends came together and raised $27,000 to buy her a new car that she could just continue to be faithful in work. And I'll tell you what, you look down this list of 11, and I'm going to tell you, not a single one of them was all that wealthy. Not a single one of them was just balling out, right? They just had all this excess and had all this stuff that could just say, yeah, let's make it rain on Jen. <laughs> wasn't happening. What it was was 11 people that loved Jesus and in response to the gospel, in response to the reality, they, they saw that God is their provider. They were generous. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And I tell you what, a lot of you are sitting here right now, and I guarantee if you just took a moment, you would be able to identify someone in your life that's in need. And if you can't, maybe you get your eyes open, because it's all around us. It's all around us. Okay. What does that mean for you right now? Okay. What does that mean for you? And again, realizing, I know you're running a little bunch of money. It's okay. Be generous. Begin to reorient the posture of your heart to think of the other and their necessity. Because God will always be provider. Okay? Now, that's kind of general gifts of saints. Now, let me, let me talk about tithing for a moment. Let me talk about offering to the church. Okay? In the Old Testament, okay, here's what the people of God would do in regards to their tithe. 10% would go to the temple. Ten percent would go to the Levitical priesthood, and three and a half percent would go to the homeless. Or ten percent every three years would go to the homeless. So, on average, the average law-abiding Jew, the one who loved God in the Old Testament, had to give almost twenty-five percent of his annual wealth, okay, his annual income, to God, if you will. So we come to the New Testament, and I'm not going to get over here and just sort of turn your figures your way, but when we get into this, the one that always thrills me is the average giving for a Christian in America is just about 2%. Fluctuates under and fluctuates just a bit over. 2%. Okay. Let me be clear. Okay. In the New Testament, God does not mandate a percentage. Okay. God does not care about the amount that you give, but God does care that you give. God does care that you tithe. Tithe literally means 10%. God, somebody says, God does care that you give to the church. Um, and, and, and that's, listen, it's weird for me to say because I'm the one that's kind of in charge of it, right? So it, I get how that's awkward right now. But I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Because I do actually care about your hearts. And what I've found is, and if you guys remember the story that I shared like, I don't know, four or five weeks ago, and a lot of you guys weren't even here. So I shared the story about how I was in college at San Diego State University, and the church I was going to, The Rock, was raising money for a building, right? The building fund, the thermometer, the building. And, uh, and, and you had this opportunity to, to go out, and, and, and you would um, pick up a brick. We were in Cox Arena. There was like 10, 12, 15,000 people packed into Cox Arena. And you could go down, and you could grab this brick, and every brick that you took symbolized a certain amount of money that you were going to contribute and pledge to this, this fund for the building, right? And so I'm looking around, and I'm walking down, and I see different people grabbing one brick, two brick, three brick, or whatever, and, and I couldn't remember the number when I was on stage last, last time, so I was kind of far, but I grabbed six bricks, okay? I took six of these bricks and began to walk through Cox Arena, pledging all this money, saying, like, look at me, okay? And I'll tell you what, like, I... 
throughout all of college, I didn't give a single dime to that building fund. It is a heart issue. 100% a heart issue. Do you believe today that God is your provider? Do you believe today that what you have in your wallet doesn't belong to you, but it belongs to Him? Do you believe that God in the Bible mandates that we're generous with our money to the church? Okay, if you disagree with any of those, let me you disagree with Scripture. That's all I'm saying. And so we, we give, we're generous to those outside the church and to the church because we long to respond to the gospel and to see the mission of God continue to go out to whatever city we find ourselves in. Okay? And so, last thing I'll say this. Because this question I get a lot, especially with you students here. If you don't have a job and you have no income, you're not liable to this, if you will. Okay? It is, it is off your income. But listen, if you work and you're getting an income, and listen, I don't care if, if you don't even come to this church here this visiting day and you're already pissed off we're talking about money, that's fine. And you're going to go somewhere else next week, that's fine. Give that church money. Okay. Okay. I mean, just, just give. Give your friend money. If you have it, be generous. And so identify a portion of the money you have to think of other people. And sometimes, listen, I keep saying, I know how hard this can be because I know there's some of you that are sitting in the room and you're like, listen, man, you don't understand. I budgeted and we're down to the last penny. We will not eat. Okay? We're already eating subpar here. I'm trying to care for my family. Listen, I 150% understand that. But again, this is about a faith in which God is provider, in which God is everything, God is sovereign, and He will not let you go with that which you need. Okay? That's what Scripture tells us. Okay? Moving on from the money thing. Let's go. Talents. Okay? Talents, talents. Everyone in here, you are good at something. Guarantee it. Okay? Some of you are, are good in a bunch of stuff. Some of you just got that one thing that you're just brilliant in, or whatever. Okay? And we talked about this early on in verses 3 through 8 in chapter 12. That gifts, right? Use your gifts to bless others. This is just the same thing. Use your talents. What are you good at? Okay? If you're good at something here, use it to bless other people. I don't know what that means. All I know is I got a friend named Nathan, right, who's good at everything. Okay, fixes cars and planes and trains and automobiles, um, which is Sims cars. And uh, and listen, this guy. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna just. This guy's the man, right? If you need anything, just in your life, fix. He's the guy to go to. He's just good, and he's faithful, and he just, he just does stuff for so many people in this church. It would blow your mind. Curtis and Shirley, I know they're going to be upset I'm calling them out right now. Brilliant. The way they care and the way they serve with their talents. Unbelievable. And I can, listen, I can just go across the room. I'm looking at faces right now and just I, things are popping in my head about the gifts that I see in you people and the way that you use them. Our band, you guys know no one in our band may, may get paid a little bit part-time, but everyone else here volunteers every single week to come and lead us to Jesus. And they're, they're brilliant. They're really good. You guys are good at something. I don't know what it is, but use it to bless other people. Okay? Be generous with your talents. Don't just use them for your gain or to climb your ladder. Help other people get up the ladder too. Okay? The last one is, uh, is time. Now, here's the deal. Everyone seems so protective of their time. Right? It's, it's my time. It's mine. I own it. This is for me. I, Listen, everyone gets the same amount of time every week. You get 24 hours a day and you get 168 hours a week. 
everyone gets the same budget. Okay, you change when you budget money, you change when you budget talent, but guess what? When it comes to time, you all have the exact same amount. So there's no one around you that doesn't have more time than another one. You've just chosen to allocate your time to different things than that person. What I'm striving for to get, to, to get us to do as a church and get us to do as individuals is to understand that what Paul is getting at here is that you need to allocate a portion of that time for only other people. To begin to be generous with that time instead of just craving. Instead of just saying, okay, you know what, I get it. You get off at work. You just worked an eight-hour shift or something like that. You're getting home. Some of you guys work late-night jobs. You're home at 11, midnight, some of that. You just, okay, I need my time to detox. Okay, I get that. You do have that time. But also, let's start thinking about how we can use that time for other people. Okay. And listen, we are very protective of these things. And so I imagine, even you guys who know me and hopefully trust me and think I'm not trying to extort these three things out of you, would just... You might even just come in and mine this my time. I want to be able to do with it that which I want to do with it. And I'm just saying, listen, the Bible calls you to something different. The, the ethic of love that we see in Scripture, it just calls you to something different, guys. Okay. And we're going to get into really what that looks like and maybe a little bit of how that's kind of hard, but... Um, I'm going to show you a story. My wife, uh, and I shared this before, but so my wife was in labor for 42 hours giving birth to our little boy Finley, which is a long time. Okay, that's like, okay, it's almost two days of labor. Okay, and, uh, and a 30, about 32, 33 of those hours, Anna Singleton was, was with us um, helping us get through that labor. And, and listen, she had no reason to have to be there other than, for whatever reason, she's decided to love us and be our friend. Okay. But 33 hours of her time, and she just had a baby herself, that she was with us for 30, and she was sneaking out for an hour here, 30 minutes there, to go care and feed her own baby. But said, so, you know, I, I love you guys so much that I'm just going to give of, of my time to you, and her talent as a doula and all that. And there's a sense, if, and, and I just imagine and I hope that there are pictures of that all across this place. Maybe Emily's Iman, we went to the hospital, they came over and cleaned our whole house while we were gone. I mean, I, I cannot, there's just story after story after story, and honestly, when I get the totality of it, it just makes me weep. These are the type of things that exist all around you. Okay, there is not a person in this room that you would not be able to identify someone who needs your time, someone who would use the gifts that you have, or someone that could use a little bit of your finances. It is, it is everywhere. And yet I imagine that on all three of these things, we kind of linger around this 2% mark when I think God kind of calls us to a little bit more. One of the things that we constantly see throughout the Bible, from Old Testament to New Testament, when we read some of the mountain, okay, you get this kind of idea that Jesus doesn't lower the bar, but he raises it. Okay. And I'm going to be very clear with that. I'm going to be very clear with that. When we read the Sermon on the Mount, right, he, he begins to share these things. He's like, okay, you've heard this, but I say this. And he tears away a little bit of the law and, and gets rid of the rigidity, but then also makes it far more robust. Okay? He says, you know what, you know, you've heard, do not commit adultery, but I say, and anyone who's looked upon another woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his own heart. So he broadens the scope. He raises the bar. Okay? And somehow we get into this dilemma that I think with with things that cause us to sacrifice. Okay? 
things like your money and your talent and your time. I feel like we've just figured because there's grace, because there's freedom, the bar is pretty low. And we exist around kind of like two percenters. Okay. My hope for us is not that we, listen, I, we don't even count. I don't know what percentage we have here. I don't care. But I do care that it's increasing. Because I think if it's increasing in money, in talent, and in time, I do believe we're getting more like Jesus. And that's the goal here. That's the goal of this church, is that all of us would glorify God, and in the midst of that, we would look more like Jesus tomorrow than we did today. That you look more like Jesus after you leave this church service this morning than you did when you came in. We hope for the Spirit's work to transform and renew us to look more like His Son. Okay, that's, that's the goal. And so I think if we begin to see this percentage, this generosity increase, I think what it really reveals to me is not, we've got more money, we've got more time, we've got more time. what I think it reveals to me is that we love Jesus more, we look more like Him. And, and that's, that's the best we can do. Okay? That's the best that we can hope for here. So um, a couple thoughts before we move into the second half of this and wrap this thing up. Um, um, none of these three things is more important than another. And so sometimes there's emphasis put on money, right? Oh, well, you know, because that's when you're a little more outgoing. You can see that, oh, he gave this much, da, 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 whatever. Um, no. Here's the thing. It's just generosity as a whole. Just be generous. Be giving. Do that for other people. doesn't matter which arena it might be. And the other thing is amount doesn't matter, which I already said, but I don't want to hit that again. Amount doesn't matter. Okay? In the world, amount matters. That's the way they measure how generous you are. If you guys ever watch The Office, right? Michael Scott, he gives an iPod. Maybe you ever see that one for the white elephant? He says, man, I love presents, right? Because they're this tangible way to tell you, hey, man, I love you this many dollars worth, right? <laughs> and that's the way we kind of view gifts. Christmas comes around, you gotta get the best gift, you gotta spend the most money, you gotta get. No, man. It has nothing to do with amount. Mark 12, 41 through 44 says, And Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people putting in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow is putting more than all those who were contributing to the offering box. For they all contribute out of their abundance. She out of her poverty was putting everything she had, all she had to live on. So Jesus looks at your heart. Okay. The Bible does not measure your generosity in the amount that you give. It measures it in three different ways. We see it in 2 Corinthians 9. Okay? And it's cheerful, sacrificial, and regular. Do you give cheerfully? Right? Is there joy that flows from that? I'll tell you what, if, if, if being generous with these three areas is new to you, the more you do it, the more joyful you'll end up being. I guarantee it just happens. Okay? Sacrificial. There's going to be a piece of this that kind of hurts. It's going to have to be, man, I don't know. Is this going to work out? It, it's going to work out. And regular, consistent, that we do this over and consistently in light of God who's consistent with us. Those are the three that we see the Bible identify for what our generosity should look like. It has nothing to do with now. Okay, so 13b, and then seek to show hospitality. The second half of this whole generosity idea. So not just a push towards others, but a push towards you again. Are you the type of person? Am I the type of person? I ask myself this a lot. We have people come over to our house quite a bit, and man, I'm gonna be honest. I used to love it, and now I'm kind of tired. And I have to ask myself, I'm just like, man, you know, am I am I hospitable? Do I feel like I'm welcoming others into my presence or my stuff? When people come into my home, do they experience life? Or do they just experience like a, hey, yeah, just hang out for a little bit, please go soon. Okay. And I wonder, where are 
you guys at? I guess I have homes. You got what? You have dorm rooms for those of you who have homes, right? For those who have houses and stuff. Are you the type of person that says, "Yeah, come on in"? Not just come on into my stuff, but just come on into my life. Are you guys hospitable with your life? Come in. Let's let's live life with one another. Or do you keep people at a distance as much as you possibly can? If you do, I'm saying you probably struggle with hospitality. And it's a hard thing. It's a thing we need to be proactive in about trying to become people who let people in and once they're in, they feel welcome there. Okay? In your relationship with people and how you relate and then how you invite people into your stuff. Okay? Okay? This, I mean, when, I was, when I first got married, we, uh, I had a Toyota Camry, which I ended up giving my wife because well, that's what happens. And uh, I, got, I got the little, little accent. And... Um, but when we first started driving Camry, we'd hang out, we'd be dating and stuff, and she would kind of come into the car. And, and, and the thing that drives me crazy is, um, is like any type of fingerprint or, or toe print on, on the glass, okay? And on the windshield, you know what I'm saying? And so we're driving, this is like our second date, and I look over, off go the shoes, up go the feet, onto the dashboard, and I just see smears, right? And she's writing her name, and <laughs> it says Verity Garvey on the second date. I was like, whoa, take it easy. Um, and, and, I, and I remember even thinking about this this week, and I'm like, I think I hate her. Like, I hate her this time. Um, and now, we got footprints everywhere. I mean, she's like, technically crawls up onto the dashboard. Right? She's just up in there to sweat. It's crazy. She's not here today. Um, that's also hospitality. When someone can come into your stuff and ruin it or do things with it that you don't like, that's being hospitable. Because again, you realize, it's not my stuff. It's not my stuff. It's God's stuff. And I am to bless other people with that which He has given me. Okay? Are you those type of people? Come on into my life. Be welcome. Come into my stuff. Be welcome. Okay? That's the question you ask yourself. That's what hospitality really looks like. Okay? Um, Last part before we get to the gospel. There's two things that make this fall apart if we if we lose. And I'm just going to hit them real quick. One is community. Two is stewardship. If you are not in community with other people, none of this stuff matters. Okay? Because who are you going to be generous with? Generous with right? Who are you going to give your time, talent, and tithes? Who? Nobody. Because you're not in community with anyone. You have to be in community. So, so much. Everything you read in the Bible, all of these mandates... On a foundational level, one of the prereqs is community. That you be surrounded by people in your life that you can live out this gospel ethic of love with. And so if you're not, get into it. If you don't know what that means, just come talk to me. I will sit here with you all afternoon. Okay? To find men and women in your life that you can live life with and contribute to the needs of the saints. Okay? That also means, listen, if you're here and you have great need, you must make it known. I tell you what, man, I, I have a lot of meetings with you guys and I'll sit down and it'll be six months after something terrible has happened and they say, well, this is where we're at financially. This is where we're at with our life. And I say, why didn't you talk to me six months ago? This would have never happened. Allow the saints, allow the church, allow your community to bless you and love you and support you. And the only way they can do that is if they know that you need to be blessed and supported and loved. Okay, so be in community and make your needs known. And then the stewardship issue 
Again, it's just money's not yours. Time is not yours. The gifts and talents you have are not yours alone. Right? They are to be stewarded by you. God has given you everything you steward. You allocate the right amount of time, the right amount of money to different things that you would bless other people. Okay? You'd serve other people. You would be and embody generosity. Okay? Um, here's the gospel piece of this. And this is, this, I'm happy this is here and I think Paul would have made this very evident as he spent time with people. As you are generous, there's some things that happen, I think, in our relationship with you. So some things that we're reminded of, and I, and I just had a few that I wanted to share us with, um, that as you go out, and as our application is just to go be generous, right, in these different ways, okay, um, what my hope is, is that this whole time you're doing it and you're being reminded of these truths, and it allows you to keep going. The first one um, is that it reminds us we have an incredibly generous God. When we are generous, we are reminded in that moment, man, God has given me this. God has given me everything. You know what? God gave me His Son. God gave me His one and only Son that in His death I would find life. The more you're generous, the more that just kind of crops up, I tell you. You'll see His generosity. The next one, it reminds us that we are completely and solely dependent on Him alone. As you give, listen, you're not going to look anywhere else. Sometimes it's going to get hard, and I don't know where this is going to come from, but you do it because you know you need to be dependent on Jesus, and there's no better place for the Christian to live in independency to God. When you start living in your own sufficiency, this whole thing falls apart. When you live in dependency of God, it kind of all makes more sense. Okay. The next one is, um, it reminds us that He has uh, welcomed us. Okay. He's welcomed us. He's brought us in. And you were dirty. Right? You were filthy. If you're here and you love Jesus, know that when He welcomed you in when you were broken, destitute, and without hope. He brought you in. Indeed, we'll talk about next week. You were an enemy of God. And yet He welcomed you in to His stuff and to Himself that we would find new life. Okay. And the last one, it reminds us of a God who loves us and called us to love His creation. At the, at the apex of all of this, when you're generous, you constantly see the relations of God's love in all sorts of ways. And then we are moved then to continue to love others. We love the person next to us. We love the person on the street we haven't met yet. You love your server that you're going to go and eat lunch at and see that person. You're going to love your teacher. You're going to love your co-worker. You're gonna, I mean, it's just as the more you're generous, the more you operate in this, the more this stuff just works itself out. I guarantee it. Okay. One last scripture. Okay. From Matthew 25, verse 31. He says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people from one another as shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right and the goats on His left, and the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Ready? For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? Verse 38, And when did we see it? When did we see you, a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, and clothe you? Verse 39, And Gosh, there it is. Where is it? And when did you see the sacred prison visit you? And then the king will answer in verse 40, Then truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Okay. One of the most popular passages in the Bible, you get the depth of what he's saying. 
However, we, we ultimately do this. You, you contribute to the needs of the saints. You are hospitable to others, not just because it blesses the person next to you that you came with or blesses the person on the street. You do it because as you do it, you are glorifying and blessing Jesus Christ, your Savior, who died for your sins. If you love Jesus, if He's your Savior, if, he's, if you just have your eyes open to the beauty of what He accomplished on the cross for your sake, what He accomplished in His resurrection, the fact that we were broken from the, from, from the fall and, 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 and just missing all that, and then you get all the story of what Christ has done for you, know that as you bless the person next to you and the person on the street, the person you've never met yet, you are blessing Jesus Christ, that Savior who brought you back. That's what you're doing. What an incredible gift to us that we get to bless the one that blesses us. And so be generous. Go this week and be generous. Think about what this is like. Reorient your time. Restructure your life. Think through the decisions that you make, the classes you do, whatever it is. Begin to think through, okay, I want to organize my time. I want to organize my gifts. I want to organize my budget financially in order that I might bless others and be generous. I understand a lot of you, listen, here's what we do. I get that some of you say, well, I'm too busy, I don't have time to give away to other people. My guess is that you're not that good of a steward of time. Okay? That we need to figure that out. And see, okay, what's, what's going on here? Or, listen, you're just not trusting Jesus. And again, this, this sounds hard, but this is just this is what Scripture says, and it's pretty difficult. So we hope for us go, be generous, seek hospitality. Okay? Give to the church. But do it because of what Jesus has accomplished for you. Because of the gospel. Because he's been generous with you. We are generous to the world and to him. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you for provision. God, and thank you that you call us to stuff that like just seems hard and difficult. God, I thank you that uh, that I can think through all sorts of times of just how you've reminded me of your faithfulness to always be provider. God, God, in every area of my life. Sometimes it seemed to take a little bit longer than I thought it would. There has not been a moment just where you have not given me all that I need. God, would you reorient what we think is necessity, if that's a problem for us? God, would you reorient the way that we understand what it means to be generous to one another? Would you move us by the power of the Spirit? to look more like Christ, the full embodiment of one who is generous. Generous with everything that he taught, everything that he said, everything that he shared for the 33 years he was here, and then generous even unto death as he gave his life for us. And so, Lord, I just pray we get a greater glimpse of Christ as we respond now, as we reflect on you. And God, it's that reflection, it's the truth of the gospel that would move us to be generous and nothing else. Not any type of mandate, not any type of obligation, nothing that we feel forced into, but just an understanding of how good you are. God, I ask you right now to just overwhelm me and overwhelm the rest of us with your goodness, faithfulness, and generosity to us. 
And God, make us people that look like Christ. It's your name we pray. Amen. Uh, and as always, uh, we take a couple minutes just to sit and reflect on God's word. And, uh, and just let him speak to us, you know. Um, if you want to take this time to pray uh, with people next to you, whatever it looks like.